Okay, stop. Hi, I'm Joya. And I'm Gus. And I have a special announcement before you get onto this super dope podcast with Matt Chandler. My parents made a new website for their podcast. Go visit it at thecoworkerspodcast.com. There's a lot of dope stuff on the website. Helpful tools for missions and discipleship, a sign-up for their monthly newsletter, blog posts, and access to the episodes, of course. You might also notice a new cool logo for their podcast. Thanks to Daphne for her creative skills and Trent for taking great photos of my parents holding hands. Don't forget, go visit thecoworkerspodcast.com to check out the new website. Now, on to this amazing discussion with Maddie C. Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney. Where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Coworkers Podcast. We are excited today to be joined by a special guest. Uh, we are joined by Matt Chandler, lead pastor at the Village Church, and uh, well-known, I think, to many of our listeners, just through his podcast, through his preaching, through his teaching. Matt, welcome, brother. It's hey, a man. blessing to have you. It's good to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And greater blessing even to have you in our city with us, Listen, with your team and unreal. with the church. It's unreal. It's blowing my mind. It's, it's the awesome. size of Texas. It's crazy. <laughs> Well, Matt, you and your church have ministered to us a lot. Yeah. So thank you because you're preaching, I know, to your church, but we get to benefit from it and you help us and our teammates just be more spiritually healthy on oh, the I field. I love that. I love that. So thank I, you. Well, I'm, you know, I, I know some of the, I've got a sister who uh, has been on the field for 20 years. She married my college roommate and they've been in some hard places. And um, so I'm grateful the Lord's used that. Uh, okay. Our teaching at TBC are really around the okay. world to encourage okay. uh, missionaries in hard places and in easier places. Mm-hmm. And so I, man, I'm, I'm always preaching to who's front in front of me, but that the Lord's done that okay. has been super encouraging for me. Yeah. It's been sure. encouraging to us as well. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. We praise God for your ministry. It's touched a lot of us over here. And um, even through this podcast, you know, you're going to expand that audience by your probably fif- 15 or 20 people. Or so. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Tens, Another 15. Tens of more people. <laughs> are nicer than That's true. other people are. We are in the easy audience. They are. It's true. For sure. We're nice people. Okay. So we're going to talk about fame a bit. Fame, okay. fruitfulness. On our car ride here, I went on Instagram and looked up. You have 173,000 followers. Okay. In case you haven't checked Again, recently. just a few more than our podcast. I don't. Just a few. I don't back, so thank <laughs> it's you. It's a good idea. Wow. You should have. We as missionaries, okay, we have a lot of our life that's totally hidden, Mm -hmm. that nobody is looking at and applauding. Then we have these moments, we go to America, we might get chances to be on the stage, we might have a podcast where people can say, wow, oh, you know them, they're doing a great job, they're living in India, they're serving the Lord. Sometimes it's hard for me to know how to measure fruitfulness, Yeah. okay? And we all know upon like, 30 seconds of meditation, fame doesn't equal fruitfulness. For sure. And even like number of followers doesn't necessitate like godly influence, right? How do you even try to measure the true impact you're having that is eternal? That Man, that's a great question. I I think, so I can speak personally, um, a surefire way uh, to move towards idolatry is to try to determine outcomes. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm never trying to determine outcomes. Mm-hmm. It, it will cause me to think small, uh, mm-hmm. to not take writ, not take risks. Mm-hmm. And worst of all, take credit when it works, mm-hmm. whether the village church never grew at all, or if it 
did what it did. I, I was not banking my life on it. That, that fruitfulness for me, as I understand it, is to be obedient to the Lord, both as he's revealed himself to me in the scriptures and as he's put a specific call on my life to step into that. So there's something for me in ministry. Like the Lord has determined to knit me to himself, pull me into himself through the calling that he's put on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I make that uh, about followers or butts in the seat or dollars in the bank account or people that want me to sign a book that I've written or in some cases sign their Bible, which by the way, I always sign Louis Giglio's name when they say that <laughs> and no one's ever caught me. So they're like, Hey, would you sign my Bible? And sure. And I write Louis Giglio's name and you know, something like keep the passion yeah. alive or something, you yeah. know? Good. And they deserve uh, that. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, I just, <clears throat> for me, the, the surefire way for me to move towards idolatry is to try to live in a way that I can determine the outcomes. Mm, right. So, fruitfulness for me has everything to do with, is my heart fully alive in Jesus? Mm, Have I oriented my life around his call on my life? Mm -hmm. And am I glad in him? Any other way of seeing, as far as I know, really makes me a slave to things that Jesus has set me free. Uh, Because, and and this is the thing that's going to happen in heaven, where people no one's ever heard of. Exactly. uh, Are going to have these kind of epic seats Mm -hmm. to the great feast. And and some of us that that have these kind of epic followings here are going to be further back than we thought. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe B- because I think what happens is everybody's got a call and everybody's got to fulfill that call. Uh, so in in my case, um, he's made me well known. I, I never sought that. I never. I I actually left a booming itinerant ministry to mm. go to a church with 150 people in it. Mm. 168 my first Sunday. Uh, so I was literally on stage speaking to. 3,000, 5,000 people every week and went to a church with 168 people, which was a high weekend because the new pastor was in town. And so I I had this path of descent until the Lord, It I, I don't know if the Lord wanted to help me know mm. that, that or, or if he wanted to see if he could trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that, it was that road to descent that was very much the story of my life before what people see now. Uh, it was a willingness to follow the Lord to less money and smaller crowds mm-hmm. that actually led to what everybody sees now. Mm-hmm. But that's not part of the story. That's not in the West. That's not a sexy story. Mm-hmm. Um, the the story's big and fast and famous. But I, but I think all that stuff's toxic, mm-hmm. uh, especially if that becomes the measurement of fruitfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've met people that that I'm in awe of their faithfulness to the Lord. I'm in mm-hmm. awe of the depth and spiritual power they walk in. Nobody and nobody knows. has a nobody has nobody any knows. idea. So yeah. like there are yeah. these people that nobody's ever heard of that I'm constantly right. trying to get near mm-hmm. to, to yeah. teach me, to help yeah. me. How yeah. to talk to me about how you interact with the Lord. Teach me how you so I mean and nobody knows. Right. And man, they're like running a small group of like 13 people, you right. know, and you you come overseas and that 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 shoots up exponentially mm-hmm. higher. Yeah. Yeah. Where these profound, deep and powerful people. And nobody knows them. Nobody knows yeah. it. C- certainly nobody it's, in the West knows right. it. That's right. It's one of the blessings of our job yeah. is we get yeah. reminded of that over yeah. and over. You know, we get to go and be with our brothers and sisters and see the suffering they're enduring and know the Lord sees them and they're not getting any earthly rewards. Yeah. 
Well, those two things hold hands in a way that we don't think quite about mm. in 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 the the states or really in the U.S. How suffering and and spiritual power hold hands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's just not a very it's not a topic we broach. Right. That's right. So, and that the Father who sees in secret rewards them. That's right. right. Those who get their public acclamation, they okay. receive their reward here. That's what he said. The Father who sees in secret rewards. Right. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. So along those same lines, thinking about public presence, public impact. How do you in your own ministry in your own life? How do you decide how much to invest in public ministry, speaking engagements, travel, things like that, and then how much to invest in your more private ministry or maybe local ministry, church service, family, things like that? Do you how do you feel that pull and navigate that tension between public and private or local? Yeah, that's a I mean, again, another great question. It it to me has changed in different seasons mm. uh, of life. And so I've always had a team that helps me with anything external. Uh so my life is family, the village. Acts 29, and then whatever else we have time for. Um, so in certain seasons, that's been specific callings. Like I had a season where like all I wanted to do is like I want to minister to pastors. I want to help pastors. And so that those were the kind of events we would book. I wouldn't, if they called and it was a, like an awesome college event or something like that, I would just say no, because what I wanted to do is minister to pastors. It's been, it's a pretty tough run for them in, in the yeah. West in particular, maybe all over the world, but specifically in the West, it's mm-hmm. brutal right now. Yeah. Um, and then now I, I still very much love pastors. I want to spend time with them, but I also, as, as much as I can love on Gen Z mm-hmm. and this next generation coming up, I want to do it. So, so now what we're doing is it's my family and, but I've got a 20 year old who's engaged. I've got a 17 year old that's going into a senior year and I've got a 13 year old that's going into high school. That's a different dynamic. Yeah. Like I've, I've never, I don't work at home. Like if I can at all avoid it, I leave the office at the office and I go home and I'm, I'm working second shift. Mm. It, it's, it's only been given to me to be Lauren's husband. It's only been given to me to be Audrey Reed right. and Nora's daddy. And so that to me was, no, I don't have email on my phone. Mm-hmm. I, I tie it up. It's never done. The work mm. of ministry yeah. is never yeah. done. Right. So I've just had to learn specifically when they were young. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not opening up my computer unless I'm like mm-hmm. seeing what time a movie starts, Yeah, you know, that we're yeah. going to go to as a family. And so I just didn't, I was much tighter when they were younger. I'm in this new world now where one's gone and one's got a car because mm-hmm. you don't lose them when they're 18. You lose them when they get that car. There you go. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> and so there are times that it's like Lauren and I sitting there and Nora's at basketball practice and, uh, reads at work. And then we're just like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And she's like, my wife will have a project. So she's like, sure. I'm going to work a little. I'm like, wait, well, okay, then I'm going to work a little. <laughs> and, and then man, it'll just be the two of us in our little office, uh, yeah. Yeah. doing some work. So, um, Good I have a foretaste of empty nesting. Yeah. And we're, we will, <clears throat> we will deeply miss our kids Yeah, and mm-hmm. we will also, we're going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> are. Just fine. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that that's how I've always done it. I had a team. Mm-hmm. I I'm a grinder, mm-hmm. and and I I can go. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's not always what's best, mm-hmm. but I can right. do it. Right, and it's taken me a long time to kind of maybe even unwind my identity from that. Mm. Yeah, and 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 not in certain seasons grind for the good of my own soul mm-hmm. or for the good of those around me. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, I I believe in teams. I mean, you you work with us. We we have strong, vibrant community mm-hmm. in our leadership. Yeah. And even some of the things that have happened that are more controversial lately show that the fabric that we've invested mm-hmm. in held. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's right. And so I, I am watched and loved and encouraged mm. and warned and rebuked. And so I, I've just thought build a team. Yep. Teams help. Right. So there's a team that looks at my calendar, mm. looks at the opportunities. We prayerfully look at that and then go to work. That's awesome. So I'm thinking for our life because we 
like you are in full-time ministry. So it's not an idolatry of like, I'm in a corporate job trying to make millions of dollars, no. right? That's, no, that's that would right. keep you from your kids. Yeah. It's preaching the gospel. That's right. It's in influencing the world yeah. for the Lord. And we both really love our jobs yeah. and we both really enjoy working. Yeah. So it's sometimes challenging for us to put those proper boundaries in place. Like you said, you know, no computer at home, no email at home. I'm going to be fully present. And we're experiencing right now just this, okay, our kids are getting into the teenage years. It feels to me a bit like when they were toddlers, like they need more of us. Yeah, that's true. Again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they also can manage themselves. But being willing to put this to the side yeah. and go watch a Hallmark movie sure. mm. with my 13-year-old yeah. and knowing that's like the most fruitful spiritual yeah. thing I could do yeah. in that moment. It does depend on the movie. Yeah, that's I mean, true. If it's, if well, it's you calls hate the heart, all of them. Wind calls the heart. And we listen. just that's her, enjoy that's her every jam. minute right. listen, of my it. My in-laws are all about that. Listen. I affectionately refer to it as when smells the fart. Okay. Well, <laughs> it that that works. I might watch that. <laughs> no, I might watch that. It yeah, might I don't want to run the world with farts. We have so, fun. so much son. fun and like making fun of the characters yes. and deciding hey, you which should. boy she should choose. You should. I don't know the show, so I'll just take that it's a Hallmark movie. Is it the same actors and actresses that are in all Pretty much, plus yeah, an cast. extra level of cheesiness. Yeah. Okay. Well, it brings joy. It'll bless yourself. Yeah. yeah. I think that, so you're on it, right? You, what's hard about teenage years, I mean, we're still in them, right? I've got a 13 year old girl, uh, which is different than a 13 year old boy, um, is they, they're physically capable in ways that they weren't toddlers mm-hmm. and they emotionally, spiritually need us far more mm-hmm. maybe than they did yeah. when they were toddlers. So mm-hmm. the need switches. And if you're not careful, you'll miss that. Yeah. And you will think, oh, they can make themselves a sandwich. They can get themselves dressed. They can mm-hmm. pick up after themselves. Mm-hmm. They're good. Mm-hmm. Right. Where, where the process of owning their faith has now begun. Mm-hmm. Um, now it'll either be mom and dad's faith or it'll be my faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and man, I wanted to, I want to be right there during mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's seasonal, you know? And so if you're going, Hey, for the next, three years as best I can, I'm going to do this. Right. Then you just know it's okay. It's the next three years. It's right. not. And it's a, it's the best investment I can make. Yes. Um, and, and then man, three years from now, I mean, that's where I am. I have email on my phone for the first time <clears> in my <throat> life. Uh, I'm mm. opening up my computer all the time at home now, which is not something I was doing when, yeah. and even, even in that, I'm, I'm still trying to do that while paying really close attention to Reed and Nora right. who are 17 and 13. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is a, it's just not as clean as mm-hmm. don't, don't have it on your phone. Cause you can have it on your phone and still be present. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can open up your computer in the evenings and in another way, teach your kids that they're not God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right. there is a, right. there is a kind of wisdom mm-hmm. in it that, that you'll need to discern, uh, as yeah. uh, mom and dad. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree that it is a, I am serving the Lord. And so I'm, I'm not working 70 hour weeks for money. I'm, yeah. I'm sharing the gospel. I'm seeing people become Christians. I'm seeing somebody sick, be healed. I'm watching. Yeah. And that's, 
but I don't want to be all about that. Mm-hmm. So I have tried specifically with teenagers to take them with me more than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a hospital visit or sharing the gospel or mm-hmm. um, to just make it a part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And then just remind them, hey, most most dads don't get to take their kids to work. Yeah. But I'm, I'm bringing you with me on this yeah. one. Yeah. So even like Reed was supposed to join me on this trip mm-hmm. and had some passport issues. But I'm just like, hey, so I'm literally emailed his school and said, hey, he's <clears> going to miss this week. Let me know mm-hmm. how we can help. And then I just want him to come see it. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. and and see something that's different than what he's seen, mm-hmm. and um and that's an example of just going, hey, I'm, that's my seventeen year old. I want to bring it. Yeah. Uh, Nora, Nora, not so much. She, she just is a little, little too spazzy, I think, for this. <laughs> she just run off and yeah. I'd lose her, and so <laughs> she's not ready for it's that. It's a time and a place. There is, there is. She's traveled, just not. Yeah, not on this one. The Holy Spirit is always faithful to nudge us, right? right? When we need to spend more time yeah. with a certain kid. We just have to be okay with it. And we have to be okay with even letting people down. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Our teammates might not love it yeah. that we're not at every meeting. So that's an encouragement to our coworkers that you listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit and do what you need to do yeah. for your families yeah. in certain right. seasons. No doubt. And I would say just because there's a lot of, and again, this is stuff that I've learned from my sister. If you're on the field and you're single, um, you, you can put a lot of expectation and, and without really knowing it, a lot of burden on mm-hmm. uh, missionaries that have children that they're trying to love and encourage. And, um, and, and, and I think they need to be mindful of you and to care for you the best that they can. But it's important, I think, to note that, man, grace needs to flow in both directions. Mm-hmm. And patience needs to flow in both directions. And so if you're on the field and you're, um, you're maybe even right now, I'm just feel compelled to say this. So I'm just going to say it. And even right now you've got some, you're starting to feel a little cynical and a little jaded. You're starting to feel a little gypped by that married couple that's on the field with you. And you, you need more time and you feel like you're um, barely hanging in there. And, and I can't, you can't believe that they're not kind of making you a priority in the season. I would just ask you to maybe breathe for a second. Remember that the Lord sees you. Uh, remember that he'll hold you fast and, and then be gracious to those men and women who are with you with their children. Um, and, and maybe their children are going through something right now that's putting some more and greater demand on them. And that's got to be biblically. That's their first priority. And it doesn't mean they love you less or they wouldn't make all kinds of space for you if they could. But the priority has to be their son or their daughter. And so, man, I, I'm just even in my heart right now praying that you just hearing me say this wouldn't increase weight on you, but really would lift the weight off of you. Because that kind of cynicism and mm-hmm. anger, that's going to make everything harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just ask you to trust in the Lord. Let your struggle be known. And then I'm I'm assuming the best, that they'll do the best they can with where they are in this season. Wow. It's a good word. Appreciate that, man. Hope a lot of folks take that to heart as well. And for us too. Um, you, you know, very, obviously, even on this podcast, even to that point that you just made, I think very led by the Spirit, very willing to call things straight, yeah. very willing to call out sin. Seems like over the years that God has developed in you, or it, I think, decreased that fear of man in you. Has that been a process? Do you ever feel like regret after preaching or maybe saying something you feel like maybe you went too far? How do you pursue that? I mean, even just now, that example of just being spirit-led, also preparing a sermon, preparing a talk, preparing for all these different opportunities. How do you walk through that tension? Well, first of all, of course. I mean, of course, I I regret. There have been times that my flesh can get in the way. Mm. And, um, you know, and just to be real candid, I can be like, why won't you just do what I say? If you just do what I say, 
like this would go so much better and then I can get frustrated. And so what will happen is when I'm in my flesh, um, some people will see it as boldness, but it might just actually be bullying. I mean, I might be putting a kind of weight on people that's not fair, that life is complicated and I'm not aware of all the nuances. And so the prophetic edge that the Lord put in me does have a, it has a backside to it. Um, and so I've learned over the years um, to be very careful with it, mm. but at the same time, still understand it's my front edge also. Uh, and so there is a back edge to it. So I need to be aware of that. So like what you heard me do just a second ago mm-hmm. is circle back around and go, listen, I, I hope this doesn't crush you. I, I hope right. I understand that life's difficult and complex, but, but grace needs to flow up like it flows down. Mm. Um, and so I like five years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, I certainly wouldn't have said it. And I'd have been harsher. And so it's taken a while to grow. And that's the, the thing about ministry that's hard, but the kind of stuff you can't actually really talk about, but we need to talk about is when you're in leadership, specifically Christian leadership, almost all of your, um, what people see now and go, oh man, they're really good at that came at the expense of really doing it poorly early on. And when you did it poorly early on, you probably hurt somebody. And that's why I think grace has to be our currency. So if I think about, I mean, I've been at the village for 20 years, over 20 years, and I can remember things I did that were awful, but I didn't know they were awful at the time. I was doing the best I could with what I knew. And godly mature people confronted me in love, not to cancel me or destroy me, or to, but to acknowledge you got this gift and you need to know that this gift, when it's not submitted to the spirit, but is in your flesh, does a lot of damage to people. And, and so you need to tease that out and we're here to help you tease that out. Mm-hmm. And then I've just got friends that have walked with me for those 20 years, yeah. trying to dial that in. When I screw up, being there quick to be like, hey, I think that was a little far. Here's why I think that was a little far. Consider this. Consider it. Let's talk about it again tomorrow. And, and so I've needed those. Um, but I, I really do think, and partly it's because I've just taken a beating, you know, for the last decade. I, I, here's, the, here's the funny thing about my life in particular. There's this massive group of people that love me. I mean, if you had a video of me clubbing a baby seal, they would be like, what did that seal do to match you? I can't believe. I'm glad he did that, right? It just doesn't matter what I do. They, they just love me. And then there's this really small group of people and they just hate me. Um, they, they've just determined that I'm the problem. Wow. The, the pain in their life, the frustration, and they're like, I'm the one. Or they have some sort of self-righteous disgust at something they think I am. And maybe I am and maybe I'm not. Uh, and then there's this third group of people that are probably indifferent to me. But if I'm a schmuck, that's really good for their website. Mm. And um, the truth is nobody on that spectrum knows who I am. They just don't. The people who love me don't know who I am. The people that hate me don't know who I am. Mm. And those people that just benefit if I screw up don't know who I am. Mm. But I do have a group of people that do know who I am. Um, they know me deeply. They see my tax returns. Mm. They know my wife and kids. They've seen me struggle. They see the things that nobody else sees, speaking that fruitfulness, faithfulness conversation. Yeah. And so that has freed me up, one, to know this group that hates me, there's nothing I'll ever be able to do and say to, to win them or convince them. So I'm not trying to. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then this group that loves me, if you love me too much, you'll hate me soon. Mm. I mean, you, you love me too much, you'll hate me soon. I, I just, yeah. I mean, I've been at this 20, <clears throat> I mean, 25 years in ministry, 21 at the village, right? So you, 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 you're effusious in praise for me. It's only a matter of time till I touch something, that prophetic edge that you love in me that's getting everybody else around you. Well, once it once it's pointed at you, now, now all of a sudden, it's done. right? Yeah. Um, and so... But that's the freedom that, well, that's that what the I'm faraway saying. followers have, right? Yeah. 
All I have to do is not like one of your sermons. Yeah. And and then my thing's like, hey, it's not a hotel. You can just, I mean, you don't have to let me know. You can just leave. Exactly. You stop listening. I'm not, exactly. I'm not, I am not pushing my sermon to your account. Right. So right. just like if you're in South Carolina and you hate my position on this, I don't need to know about that. Just mm. f- find okay. somebody that 100% agrees with you and, and go that route. Um, and so the freedom I have is because I understand that dynamic. Mm-hmm. I know I'm never going to win these people. And mm-hmm. most of these people I'm eventually going to disappoint and they're going to move to either the indifferent one or the mm-hmm. I, I'm the problem. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so then that just frees me to let me try to please God and mm-hmm. say what he's asked me to say, but say it in a way that's winsome and compassionate. Uh, but still the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes off like I don't have fear of man. And I think what I have is some wisdom on what the world's actually like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just yeah. know it's an unwinnable thing. So don't yeah. try to win. Right. Just try to be faithful. Yeah. So yeah. it's a good word. I was just thinking about how the longer you're in ministry and getting experience in your job, it's just you can do it without any dependence on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. You've preached thousands of sermons. Yeah. If we said, okay, go preach, yeah. you could do one. Probably. <laughs> You've got a few in your brain, <laughs> yeah. you know? And even well, certainly when I come overseas, I always know somebody's going to ambush me and let me know I'm you preaching gotta be ready. last minute. So I'm, I'm ready. It always. could happen Might today. Might happen a couple times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm ready. So, <laughs> Well, with our work, we teach a lot of the same tools to different people. It's very simple. Yeah. We could go do it without having prayed. It's kind of sobering, you know, to think about. We could do it without any dependence on the Holy Spirit. This came to my mind because I was reading in Acts this morning and and the disciples said, we have to stay focused on prayer and the ministry of the word. And I was thinking, oh, prayer is just as important as ministry of the word. And so have you found that to be a struggle? Yeah. So in certain, in certain seasons I have, um, I'm currently not in one of those seasons. Like I, you know, 2020 happened and you had what, what sociologists are calling the great sort, which means everybody kind of went and found their people. Mm-hmm. So the people that stayed at the village, um, they're in, man, they're, they're all in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we lost for all sorts of silly reasons. I think we lost probably a thousand people during the pandemic. They just mm-hmm. went to churches that were uh, either more right or more left than they thought we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was the first time that like we lost people. I mean, at a church our size, people are always kind of coming and going, but it was the first time we lost people that like, I, I knew that I baptized them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buried their children. Now I'm not preaching the gospel because we want you to wear a mask for 40 minutes. I mean, it was just a wild, hard time. And then, you know, it's taken us a while to recover from that. But, but this past season at the village has been gangbusters. I mean, we're turning away from every service where um, everything, and, but I've been around long enough to know none of that means lives are actually being transformed. And so I, I am probably more aware than I've ever been in my life at what the Apostle Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians when he says, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. And and so I know I can preach. I know I can. Um, I'm really good at it. And I can't make blind people see. Mm-hmm. I can fill a room. Back, this is back to that fruitfulness conversation, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I can pack a room. I, I have never not packed rooms. Never in my life. Yeah. From the time I was converted and started teaching, uh, everything I touched was like, we were at 100 and then we were at 1,000. Mm. We were at 500 and then we were at 5,000. We were, I mean, that's just been the story of my life. I can fill a room. I, I can do nothing to quicken and awaken a heart to Jesus. And that, that's so 
I, I don't I don't know if it grieves me or but it sobers me. Look like I know I can do it. I've got I can be engaging and I can draw you in with my rhetoric and I can be persuasive and none of that lasts past the parking lot. It just doesn't. I've got a church that we're turning away from services. And none of that means that lives are fully being transformed. It, it just means that they they like the way I talk and maybe they like our music. And and so I, I find myself in this season. Now, again, maybe this is because I've been at, in this place for 20 years. Just knowing if the spirit won't do it, then it's not happening. And um, so that makes me desperate. That makes our staff desperate. And I think God likes us desperate. Yeah. And so the more we do know. So, so yeah, you can go do that training. But that doesn't mean it's going to catch fire in their bones right. like it's a fine fire in your bones. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean right. they'll sacrifice for it like you'll sacrifice for it. Yeah. doesn't mean they're actually do it like you're actually doing it. Yeah. It's just a tool. The what's the right strategy and structure are great questions. They're questions that need to be answered. The Bible would say there's wisdom and strategy and structure. But all that is is like lifting a sail. If the wind doesn't blow, mm-hmm. then you've got a beautiful looking sail there. But you're not going anywhere. Um, and God's kind enough to even use our prayerlessness for his kingdom. His kingdom's not going to be stopped by our, you know, self-absorption. Um, but man, the things I want to see God do in my day with my life, um, that requires earnest prayer and fasting and the seeking of his face. Then if we really want to see an outbreaking of the spirit, wherever we are, it's always born from that, yeah. not strategy and structure. Strategy and structure are, are formed around moves of the spirit. Mm. It rarely takes place that it's strategies and structures. And then this, like the spirit starts yeah. to blow and they're like, gosh, we got to organize around this. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you as being here and people being where they are, whatever agency they're with, those structures were added because God began to do something. And they're like, gosh, how are we going to do this? Well, yeah. let's organize yeah. around this thing. What's happened to us though, is we think, man, if we'll do the strategy and structure, then then maybe the, the Holy Spirit will right. come. And, and I think it's backwards. In fact, I'll be teaching that Acts 13. And how do we start Paul and Barnes' missionary journeys? Mm-hmm. Well, they were praying and fasting, mm-hmm. listening for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he said, set aside for me. And now everybody who's a Christian is a Christian. Because the church at Antioch opened up their hands, sent their best and brightest out. And they got real serious about seeing people come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that was born not of how do we do this, mm-hmm. but let's just be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and then, man, look at it. It's crazy. Maybe that's the answer to every question we have to ask you. Maybe. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you know? it is. I, I really do. And and what's great, and yeah, like I said, I love this because you guys know my team. Like we do this. This is a in our we got like five core values. And the first one's prayer. Mm-hmm. And and so we we organize around that, we teach to that, we train to that. We have staff prayer every Wednesday from just 30 minutes, 11 to 11 30, We all gather. No song, no. I send an email that morning or whoever's leading sends an email that morning. Looking forward. It's a mandatory. You're going to come from 11 to 1130. We're going to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, once a month as a church, we do nothing. We gather at a thing called encounter. We pray for the sick. We pray and ask that the Lord would show up. We hear from the Holy Spirit and lean into it. It's where we practice the gifts. Mm-hmm. And and then the month of October, we prayer walk our neighborhoods. The whole church does. We pray blessings over houses, looking for the opportunity to share what we just prayed over your house in the hopes that we might be able to share the gospel. We, we have tried to weave prayer into everything we do because we think that's what moves the spirit to, to pray and ask desperately for God to do what we can't. 
Um, and it feels like in the West, we're starting to get a kick of that. Like it's starting to kick back up. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't be more eager for what the Lord might be about to do in all that. Such a good word. I just want to maybe remind our hearers again of what you said about structures and strategies compared to just the move of the spirit, because we, in a lot of the circles that we run in, I think there's so much emphasis. And even sometimes I think in our own work here on our team, we put a lot of emphasis on structures, strategies. Like Shaney said, we do those trainings over and over again, but it is, man. We can just get the cart before the horse with yeah. those things. Of And a good reminder, even historically, even biblically, it was the movement of the Spirit first, and the structures came along to try to keep up. Yeah. And if you flip that around, and we're just, maybe we're even boxing it in from the beginning. It's possible. Saying it has to work according to this structure or strategy, yeah. and I can't bust out. It's possible. And that'll that'll hem you in. And that'll, I, I'm always reminded of Nehemiah, right, who... He, he, his heart's breaking for mm. what he hears is going on back in Jerusalem. And so he prays and fasts for 40 days. But as soon as the king asked him what he needed, he was like, you know, yeah. broke out an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. And so because what I don't want to happen in this conversation is I know there are people, there's certain people on the field that are a little bit more ghosty than others. And they'll see strategy and structure as the problem. Right. Um, and if, you know, all you want to talk about is strategy and structure and not. And so they were aiming a little too hard mm. uh, when they were listening to this. And the reality is that we see in the scriptures, both in the book of Proverbs and we see throughout church history, that strategies and structures are extremely important um, for spiritual formation, for disciple making, even for evangelism and outreach. And so the thing about the Bible is it's going to cause you repeatedly to hold two things in tension at the same time. And so my, again, I would just, from what I've seen, my own experience, 30 years in ministry is, you know, your strategy and structure people need to really remember uh, the wind needs to blow in this sail. Yeah. And then your ghosty people need to not see strategy and structure uh, as something that distracts and takes away right. from the unspiritual God. Yeah, yeah. It's not like all things are spiritual. Right. Um, and so I just wanted to just add the caveat. So whoever was amening a little too hard there, there you go. I'm going to send this to their, their leader <laughs> and be like, Hey, see, see, and I was like, no, not today. Not, not from this. So get them both ways. <laughs> Well, and sometimes we have our plan and then South Asia happens. That too. And you show up and you have your lesson prepared and it's real ready for command three today. But the ladies that we're meeting with want to talk about their husband who's beating them or their sick child or, you know, their latest big catastrophe in their life. And so we get opportunities to learn to follow the Holy Spirit yeah, yeah. and the need that's in front of us. That's it. South Asia happens. South Asia happens. It <laughs> all, does. All the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> I have a little frustration in my heart okay. that I'm going to present to you because you are part of the American yeah. American church that yeah. we get to see with all Public of its facing. media yeah. and its books and its podcasts. Yeah. I really love podcasts. I listen to a lot of Christian podcasts and it is a great ministry to me. So I'm really thankful for people who who do that. I feel like many of the like good, solid Christian podcasts, many of them serving Christian women like me, missions is a very underrepresented topic. I think that's fair. And it makes me frustrated because we're all reading the same Bible. Yep. Missions is huge in the Bible. These are all people who know and love the Bible. So I kind of don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I kind of sure. want to just be like, hey, come yeah. on. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about this more? Yeah. Or what are we missionaries doing wrong yeah. that like we're not getting that message 
we're not infusing the American church with that more. Yeah. I heard a, a, a man who's a um, pretty prominent leader in the underground church in Iran say of the church in the West that it was like we're under a demonic lullaby. Um, and, and I thought that was just a profound way to think about really the lack, the loss of, not lack, the loss of the missional edge in the church in the States. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a guy that wants to bag on the West. I think the West has a lot of really beautiful, good things that it's doing, mm-hmm. but I do think it's lost its way a little bit. I think um, really since 2016, the infighting um, has completely distracted mm-hmm. um, the Western church from its call. Um, and, and I'm just talking about even its call at home much less thinking larger than that or farther than that. Um, and so it, it's in a, I think it's in a moment of crisis. And um, I, at this point, I don't, I'm not even sure what it'll take to reform it. I think it'll take the generation behind us being reawakened to some things. Um, and so one, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put that pressure on missionaries. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's something you guys have done wrong. You know, that that's not fair. There is something sitting on all of it right now that I think the, the, the guy from Iran is right. I think it's demonic and it's sickly. And again, everything's either about race or sexuality or it's like the, the missional edge is gone. There, there's so much pressure right now to defend uh, against what appears to be a culture that's growing increasingly hostile and dangerous for our kids mm-hmm. that... Um, there's been a loss of understanding that in every generation, the gospel is both being attacked and attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's the gates of hell that won't stand. And gates are a defensive weapon, not an offensive weapon. So, you know, I think there's an old adage that the best defense is a good offense. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true, but um, I, I think we don't know how to play offense anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you're always playing defense, it just looks daunting. Yeah. Um, right. But if you would just play a little offense, it's amazing how little offense you actually have to play mm. to see an incredible amount of fruitfulness that actually emboldens you even more. Yeah. And and then it emboldens you even more. And now it's, of course, I'll go to that place and do that thing. I mean, he's the king of glory, mm. uh, right? The whole earth is his. He's sovereign over all things. I'm all in. Mm. But right now in the West, it, it feels like we're trying to hide behind gates when really we, we should be playing some offense. That's what yeah. I think. That's what I sense. Yeah you know, back home. I think that makes sense. When we go back, I feel a desire to protect my children and bring them in and yeah. and keep them away from the That's scary, it, right? yeah. ravenous wolves of America. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you said it, you know, that's the next generation. So much of it, I think, depends on what the Lord does with that generation. We're starting to get more and more of those to yeah. come join our team and join the work. How do you, from your seat, how do you see mobilizing that next generation I think, you know, maybe narrowly for missions, but also just in general yeah. for the things of the kingdom of God, for ministry, for being obedient to the Great Commission in their generation, for taking those steps of faith. What are some of the uniquenesses about reaching and mobilizing this next generation towards those things? Yeah, well, I, I think it's all pretty low-hanging fruit at this point. They, they're desperate to be encouraged. They really do want to matter. They want to spend their lives on big things. They're coming out of a um, self-absorbed, self-focused reality. And so when you're saying, actually, there's a there's something much bigger than you, and that's great news, then they want to tend they tend to want to run towards that. But if we're always 
it's been funny like hearing some guys so i'm 48 so like i'm dad territory now right i'm not brother i'm dad we know the feeling and yeah Yeah. and and it's like the number of guys that are my age that are just constantly bagging on that generation where i'm like well gosh how if i'm 20 and i'm sitting in your congregation when you're just always dogging on tiktok you know i mean it's there's some and i'm not saying go get a tiktok and and be cool sure don't do that that's worse But man, just to be like a cheerleader and uh, like I, I, I see in you, like all the stuff that you see in the Bible where Paul's looking at Timothy, it's like, hey, you, you got something on you, man. I'm going to create space for you to figure that out and grow into that. And I'm going to coach you and I'm going to uh, rebuke you and encourage you and I'm going to train you and then I'm going to send you out and I'm going to let you run mm-hmm. and to give opportunity to not be afraid um, to correct and rebuke. And I say that because if you're in the West it's getting super complicated because accountability now is called abuse. Right. And, and and sometimes it is, and most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm. And correction is seen as control. And it, so you're going to have to be courageous enough um, to love people well. Mm-hmm. And, and he, because some 20-year-olds, there's like, they, they think they should preach on Sunday at the village right now. And I was like, well, no, no, that's not, that's not how that's going to work. But so you want to create opportunities. You want to aim young. Yeah. Um, and then you want to stay by their side and coach them through it. That's good. Um, but they, I think Gen Z in particular, and then goodness behind them, they're going to want to be a part of something very big mm. outside of them. And what's bigger than the nations? Yeah. So, and and I, I don't think they're, I think they're going to be all right with it being hard. Mm. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to see. I think at this point they're untested and they're coming out of what I think has probably been the most comfort and ease mm-hmm. section maybe in human history yeah um and so that that suffering bit that we talked about earlier we'll we'll need to train well to that end because right. it's going to be a part of it right so that's good so i have one more question one of the dynamics of our lives here is we are we have this wonderful privilege of working with brothers and sisters who live very difficult lives I'm remembering the sermon you preached right before you came on this trip and you preached about healing Mm -hmm. and hoping and believing. Yeah. And you also said you've preached hundreds of funerals. Yeah. And this morning I read the story of Stephen stoning and how the reward Stephen got was he saw Jesus stand up and honor him and how often we we watch our brothers and sisters go through a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's not usually stoning. No. It's often like they have cancer, but they can't even afford a good doctor, yeah. you know, or they have a husband who beats them and that's might never change. Yeah. So I just want to give you a chance to <laughs> minister to our coworkers. Yeah. We go and we see that. And then we come back to our nice, comfortable apartment and... Yeah. It's just really humbling and it's a tension I think we carry. It's a heaviness we mm-hmm. carry because we think of these people, yeah. you know, when we're lying in bed yeah. and we think of how unfair it is. And and yet we also agree Jesus is enough for them. That's right. I know he is. Yeah. He truly is. Like we don't have to apologize for God. No. He really is enough for my friend who still has this husband who yeah. beats her, you know. So just encourage yeah well one kudos that you still feel the tension um i I think really for all of us whether we're missionaries on the field or just christians back home who are enjoying the fruit of god's grace in our lives um in a way um that 
specifically around physical health and meaningful deep relationships uh, are something that a lot of people who actually have received the saving work of Christ might not have. Mm-hmm. Um, to remember the grace of God on our lives that way and mm-hmm. and still be really desperately longing for that same grace that was given to us to be given to others, mm-hmm. um, to stay in that tension and not... Um, um, what would be the right word for it? Not kind of compartmentalize your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's man's kudos to your own spiritual maturity. And because like Trevor, who, who I work with is just a dear friend. He constantly is coming to places like this. And then he comes home to an affluent suburb mm-hmm. and he's always, he always like the number of times I have to encourage him that he's not a sellout and that he is pleasing the Lord mm-hmm. and that he's working for the kingdom in the spot on the field that God put him. Yeah. And but I but I love that he struggles with that. I, I I'm so grateful that he can feel the tension of it all. Mm-hmm. And and in the end, man, it's like all we have is Jesus to minister with. Mm-hmm. And and I I hope good doctrine of what suffering produces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm going to be a guy that boldly prays for everybody to be healed now, like like boldly. I mean, I I spoke to ribs and backs and. Mm-hmm cancer yesterday. I mean, just spoke it and called it out, rebuked it in the name of Jesus and asked for perfect healing. And, and then we'll see it's out of my hands now. Um, and there's going to be people that stay on with them. I'm going to think of a couple of people by name, uh, wrote them in my phone. I'm going to pray for them. And there'll be a little girl I met yesterday. I'll just pray for the rest of my life. Cause it's just <laughs> heartbreaking. For just, all my kind of protective instincts are like <laughs> flooding to my chest and there's just nothing I could do with it mm-hmm. except commit to pray for her for the rest of my life. And so that's that's the weapons I've been given um, to stay in the tension because God's keeping my heart soft. Yeah. So what we desperately need is not to let our hearts grow cold. Yeah. So yeah. keep my heart soft. And the way he keeps your heart soft is by feeling the brokenness of the world. Mm. It's actually a gift to not close yourself off to it. And then to just keep praying expectantly and not to lose heart, mm-hmm. but just keep praying and expecting that God's going to do it. And then that, I mean, that's the cleanest answer I have yeah. because yeah. it's that there's nothing else to do right. uh, except to put your trust there mm-hmm. uh, and keep praying and keep asking. Yeah. And there's a gift to, to hurting with others and to see the brokenness of the world and be grieved by it. Yeah. Because I, I know people who love Jesus and are completely closed off to that. Uh, they, they, love the Lord and they're growing in their relationship with him, but it's not to that point of maturity where as the book says, they can mourn with those who mourn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can rejoice with those who rejoice. They have a heart, but, I, but I'm not sure you can even rejoice with those who rejoice. If you can't mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. Uh, I think you put a, you put a cap on your feelings of lowness. You put a cap on your feelings of yeah. highness. Yeah. And so to feel deeply, uh, I think is a sign of Christian maturity. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would just say, if you're listening to this and you feel overwhelmed by that, that, that what an opportunity laying in bed at night, heartbroken again for this woman or this man that you're pouring into and wanting them to know and love Jesus deeply, or maybe they do love you and you just can't like, why isn't this what to, to know that God's outside of time in a way that we're not, uh, and that he's producing something in this. And all that's going to be greatly mysterious to us. But the fact that he's letting you feel deeply mm. 
and come to him with that? I mean, what's happening when you're laying in your bed, just going, Lord, I don't, except you're just communing with your father Mm -hmm. who welcomes that. And then I I always just like to say, I love the prayers of the Bible because they're just so raw and gritty. And the guys and gals in the Bible, they pray to God. Like I don't hear anybody praying to God Mm -hmm. hardly anymore. Now my own heart does it from time to time, but I would never pray it out loud. Mm. I might lose my job. So, um, so those prayers of frustration that like it, I mean, you've got a, and you're joining a great company of angsty prayers, David and Jeremiah and gosh, name of Moses. And I, I mean, you're, you're in line in being frustrated because you've seen the goodness of God yeah. and, and now you want it everywhere. That's actually probably what's driving you being on the field is yeah. that heart that you possess. So I would just be encouraged that you hadn't gotten jaded and you do feel deeply. What a gift. We do get jaded sometimes. No, certainly. And then we bring it back to the Lord. Amen. And he is our refuge. And so I'm thankful he doesn't shame us for feeling heavy Mm. or weak or sad. He says, bring it here. Bring it here. Come on. I'm your refuge. I'm your hiding place. So just having that habit when we feel that sadness. Yeah, it's good. I can't think of any better words to wrap it up on. All right. So I appreciate we are really glad that we got to facilitate that long-held dream you've had to be on our podcast. So you're welcome. Mark that, that off my list. I know it's been on there for a while. It has. So, so now I can. I feel like you know task-oriented. So that's yeah. great. I can be like, check it out. Done it. Fine. Back to that fruit bucket place. list. Yes. <laughs> I, I have now. I'm ready to go home. I'm I ready to go. Home. I deserve that one. All right. Appreciate you, brother. No, come on. Thank well, you for being with us. Course. Thank you for your ministry, blessing yeah. the church at large, and blessing our team by well, being here. Hope you're back soon. Yeah.